Hello listeners, welcome to this week's Football Annual Podcast, which will serve mostly this week as a preview to the Ajax versus Manchester United game, the final of the Europa League. We're on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes to listen and download. Give us a like, don't forget to subscribe to Football Anya. Enjoy. So we've had some questions on Twitter about the game, and one of the questions was relating to the starting lineup and who you think should play uh, between Lasse Schoener or Donny van der Beek in the defensive midfield role. Uh, could you give reasons for either the, the two players playing and perhaps any surprises you think in the starting eleven? He is um, sort of failed to control games, um, physically impose himself. Uh, he's always very good in tight spaces, but I think so. Danny van der Beek uh, gives you uh, more, more sort of mobility, more sort of strength, and uh, someone that could uh, shield the uh, back four better. And he's also become much better at getting involved and. Uh, demanding play in the tight areas. I think uh, Buzz is going to stick with Lachlan, but I think if he p- picks Donny van der Beek, it will still be uh, a good decision because I think um, I would, those times in the Europa League campaign, I would have picked sort of either van der Beek or Jaron Riedervold for some more physical- physicality in front of the defence, especially. I guess the teams where in the away games where the game opens up a little bit and, you know, you need someone just to sort of have control. And even when Donny van der Beek hasn't played well, uh, hasn't been technically good from an attacking aspect, he's always sort of vulnerable defensively, made some tackles. But, uh, and it would be, it would be easy to see why um, Buzz would pick, pick him based on recent form, but I, I fully expect uh, Lazarshan to start. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, experience will come out over talent here. Yeah, I think Bosch can smart go with Lazarshan from the starting lineup. And um, Sean also offers a threat from set pieces as well. I know Ziek um, will mostly take the free kicks, but you know, Lazarshan has scored a couple in big games as well. Think back to the one that he won against Feyenoord last year, trying to ping a free kick in the top corner from 30 yards. He has that aspect to his game. I think from next season, we'll see a lot more of Donny van der Beek. But from this game, it'll definitely be last year, trying from the start. Yeah, I agree with you, Michael. Um, the experience factor is key. And there's a similar situation at a fullback, for example, where you've got Joel Veltman over Kenny Teta. And Teta's had a good season um, when he's played, but Bosch has sort of been loyal to Veltman as he's been a great servant to the team. He's 25, he's looking for a move abroad. And arguably a lot of the hype has been a bit overrated for Veltman. Um, he's not been, he's not made major mistakes, but he's not the, the best right back that Ajax have. And I think the experience will be key again in him playing in the starting eleven. Um, I agree with you. I would pick uh, Lasse Schoener above uh, Donny van der Beek. I think experience is going to be key in a one-off final. Uh, Lasse Schoener has a lot of experience in and around Ajax, having played for them since uh, 2012, so he knows how everything works. And um, I just think it's they're going to have to 
go for experience because I think it's going to be a very long game. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's going to be a final where uh, I have a feeling it's not going to be settled in 90 minutes. And um, I think with uh, Shona's experience and also having uh, played uh, almost 150 times for Ajax, you've got an old head on shoulders that may be able to um, to help uh, younger players in and around him in certain situations that may occur in the final. So I would um, I would choose Lasha Shona uh, instead of uh, Donny van der Beek in that respect. I think when you say um, you know, your obviously experience is going to be key, it's quite strange to think that Joel Veltman is a centre-back by trade and he could move into centre-back and Teddy could play as well. But you think that Matthijs Ligt will probably start the game being a 17-year-old. If you want to go for more experience, he could put Veltman or Riedwald in the middle and then move Teddy out right and then that shoots up the average age of the defence because the Ligt's only 17 have Veltman and um, Sanchez in there, more experienced Teddy on the right or in, on the west, St. Graven or Riedewald. Do you not think then though that yeah. you're mixing up the defence a bit too much and you've got players playing slightly out of position because Veltman's become the right back, you know, he's adjusted there and you've got another player filling in at left back. Is that not just putting square pegs around holes in the final? Thank you. Check on you. Yeah, I think uh, sort of uh, Veltman, I'm one person that thinks that he's done quite well at a right back, um, but I think he sort of more, he's sort of weaker against the sort of quicker wingers, and you know, once he, once he gets that yellow card, he's always walking a tightrope. So I think moving him um, into centre back would be quite hasty. I think if if you want, weren't going to, if you you prefer Kenny Tete, especially with the white players that Manchester United have, and uh, I think I I'm one person that doesn't have any reservations about Delict playing centre back. He conceded a penalty in the last game. Uh, he had that problem with the Dutch national team, but um, I think he's he's got a very good head on his shoulders, and um, I think in terms of uh, you know the defense is, is going to change because the, you know, the team will be without Fairhaven and uh, uh, and I'm not sure if he's fit or not. So there is going to be a massive change. So I think if if it was sort of a situation where you had redevelop that left back, I think that redevelop uh, Delete uh, Davis and Sanchez and. Uh, Dortmund or Tete, I think that that will that will be probably the chosen back four or sort of. Uh, um, but I don't I don't expect Dortmund to move into centre back. But uh, I think uh, I have a lot of faith in Dilett, and I think this game wouldn't be too early for him. And I think he he could show a lot in this game. And a manager such as Jose Mourinho might sort of tar- target. Um, the list weaknesses as well and really sort of play on, play on that because he's very young, he's going to make mistakes. I think, um, if, 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 if Manchester United had Zlatan Ibrahimovic to start, I would have said you you got to go for experience. But I think with sort of uh, the way that Delit is as a centre-back and the players that 
you know, Manchester United are going to put up front, you sort of, um, Delict wouldn't be out-muscled by them. He's very strong, very good at winning the ball in the higher positions. Uh, also quite quick on his feet. So you would, it's it's a, it's a game against opponents that would favor him in some sort of role. Against Manchester United, you wouldn't want to sort of get him into a physical battle unless, you know, you know, uh, Mourinho uses Fellaini in that in that sort of fashion. But I think uh, if they sort of played Martial or Rashford up front, I think Delict would remedy them very well. I think that's going to be a key aspect for defense is how. It's going to be a very pacey United attack with Martial probably and Rashford through the middle. Um, you know, that shouldn't be too much of a problem when you think that Sanchez and De Ligt both have pace in the middle. And I think that will hopefully nullify the Manchester United attack. Um, the only real issue is, as Shaka said, that Velman always gets himself into a bit of a tight spot by getting the yellow card early on. And then you know, how does he come up against, say, a Lingard or a Martial on the right with a yellow card for, say, 60, 50 minutes. And I'll be squaring up against the Man United team that are known for having a strong defence. They've had, a, I believe it was 25 or 26 games unbeaten in the Premier League, but obviously there was a lot of draws in that. Um, do you think that they have the capabilities to, to, to beat Ajax? Because they're a good team, but at times this season they've been very dry in attack, not really creating enough chances. Um, similar to Lou Van Hall team. Personally, from my point of view, being based here in Amsterdam, when you look at how the British press are approaching this game, that Manchester United only have to turn up to win. Um, I think if you look at Manchester United, have played in the Europa League so far this season with um, um, difficulties with Celta Vigo in the second leg, and also with uh, playing Anderlecht in the in the quarterfinal, they need to be aware of um, of the. Uh, threat that Ajax pose and it's going to be completely different to what they've faced in, in the Premier League because you're playing a European competition final which is a game within itself and um, I think United are going to have to work very hard uh, for, um, for the, throughout the entire game in order to, to lift the trophy. I don't think it's simply a case of what the British press believe it to be which is um, yeah, Man United are just playing Ajax they'll win the Europa League that's that. This is a, a game where Ajax are going to be fully aware of the occasion they're going to be playing and um, I think Manchester United are in for a real game. Uh, I think so with Manchester United it's like man-orientated market team it's something that Ajax are used to and something that Ajax can sort of uh, manipulate especially with the movement of Klassen and uh, Ziyech in between the lines. It's just um, a matter of how Ajax go about finishing the chances that have created the most chances in the Europa League this season, they've got the uh, they've got the highest the player with the highest amount of dribbles in the Europa League. You know, uh, both uh, Traore and Dober have scored their fair share of goals in the Europa League. So it's just a matter of being able to put chances away. And uh, and once if if they manage to if they're clinical, then they can win this game. But if sort of they fall into Mourinho's trap of being a wasteful, even though something's very open at the back with such a pacey United attack, and 
that's what United has, are good at. They're sort of good at um, uh, they're sort of good at getting on other teams where they make mistakes. And Ajax also have to be very good at defending set pieces. And um, if there's anyone that could sort of close this overtly attacking Ajax team down, it's Jose Mourinho. But uh, you you sort of uh, have faith in Ajax because the way they press the ball, the intensity with which they move the ball, people say it's like a German team. And if and they've had a lot of rest, and if they sort sort of can match the tempo that they've reached this season against other teams and they're not uh, taken by the occasion as they have been away from home, you would fully back them. But uh, um, experience, more experienced teams to this point in the Europa League haven't been a problem for them um, when they've played. And, but um, it's all about how clinical they are on the day, especially which uh, units and which triori shows up. I think um, what I've seen from my eye this season in this competition and in the Premier League is they don't like teams to go at them. Um, struggle to break down teams when they sit back, but they really don't like a team to really go at them. Swansea did it recently. Um, you know, Celebi did it in the second leg near the end. They went at them. Um, Anderlecht for it. He struggled for them as well. I think if Ajax play like they did in the first leg, the home legs against Schalke and Leon get in their faces from the start, hustle them down, don't have any time on the ball, you know, get the first chance, take it. It puts all the pressure on my night, they might crumble, and I think that's really, um, I think Ajax have a great chance, but it really just depends on how they set up. If they set up to go straight on my night from the start, hustle them, get in their faces, and that's the way to go forward, and that's the way to unsettle this Manchester United side. That's right, and I think this, the performances against Schalke and Leon showed that, but they can take anyone on. Um, and their attack is going to be more vital than defending because it's where they play. Um, if they can take the chances and if players such as Hakim Ziyech and Lassie can create things from deep, then, yeah, there's going to be lots of chances for them to, to try and take. Um, I don't think Man United will be able to handle that. They've not really played too many teams in the Premier League that will play with such an open style um, to really try and, you know, inten- intensely break them down. Um, I think the pace would be too much for them. Uh, as a key man for me, as I was just saying, there must be Hackens yet because of because of the way he plays and he can create uh, a chance from any any sort of angle. You know, he'll, he'll he'll put a pass over, he can cross, he's good at from set pieces, he can even you know have, he's got a shot on him himself. Uh, I think that United will struggle to deal with him. I think definitely. I think um, they won't really know what to expect from some of these players, and I think that's the they obviously scout them intensely, but I think. Surprise factor as well. If they get Eunice on the ball early on, if they get Traore running at them and selling their defenders, it's not going to be their first choice defence as well because um, Eric Barry is dispe- uh, suspended for the match. So it'll be Blind and um, maybe Jones or Smalling in the centre. Um, you know, you've got Dolberg running around, movement everywhere, pulling them apart. Then Eunice and Traore around. Then ZX going to get be the man that's going to pick up the space around that. And this depends what he does with the space. Um, the second leg against Leon, um, for me, Ziyech was the player that I was most disappointed with because in the second half especially, he was getting chances around the box. He, was, he kept trying to play it too intricately. Um, he had chances to shoot, he had chances to set up our players. He just tried to do a bit too much. So I think if he keeps it basic when he gets the ball, 
Um, if he gets a chance to shoot, shoot because it's going to be Romero and go. It's not the hair second choice goalkeeper. You know, get on the box, take shots, take chances. Hopefully, he'll get him goals. This team is a very talented team, man. Uh, no one can deny that, and everyone's starting to you know notice this this outside now that they've got to find the Europa League. Um, but I want to relate this to a question we got. You know, is, is this going to be the start of a new goal generation for Ajax? And, you know, or is, is this going to be when they leave and, you know, will, will they go on and do its spectacular things? Was this run just a one-off? How, how good are these players? I certainly do not think it's a flash in the, pla- uh, flash in the pan. If you look at young Ajax who play in the Uber League, they finished second behind Faith Faith Enlo with 67 points. Uh, playing in a league which has teams like Volendam, Nakbleda, Amira City, Kambulewaren. Uh, so the young players playing for Young Ajax are getting ready experience-wise to make the step up. And it's like a conveyor belt of, um, of talent which is coming through. And you also have to credit Peter Boss for giving the young players like Matthijs de Ligt and, um, an opportunity to play in the first team. And that's been, his confidence has been rewarded. I think with the approach that the club has now, um, with the um, with the current manager they have and, and the squad they have and their um, dedication to youth, I think you'll see Ajax become more um, more prominent in Europe in terms of um, uh, making progression uh, quite regularly, whether it's in Champions League or in Europa League. Um, if you compare that under the years of Frank de Boer, where they only really appeared to make up the numbers and when they were playing important games like Story Bucharest in the knockout phase or Dnipro in the uh, in Europa League and, and they failed on those accounts. I think there's more to get to, togetherness in this instance and I think um, I think they found a formula and uh, you can only credit Mark Overmars and Van, uh, van der Sar and Peter Boss and the whole club coming together to look forward because obviously after uh, Frank de Boer's departure there was always... Um, rumours as to where do they go from here and they seem to have found themselves back in a formula which is tried and trusted where you give young players an opportunity to um, to show their worth and give them confidence to, to play their own game and, and that will help the club move uh, move forward in the future. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a flash in the pan. Um, I always think the talent that everybody's seeing now is just the tip of the iceberg because, you know, Cassia hasn't played for Young Ajax yet. You have players like Frankie de Jong, Nori, who are still to come in. Uh, and, you know, nine players have made their debuts this this year. Uh, Carol Eating is still there. And uh, there's still, you know, players are alone like Zivkovic who you don't know what Ajax are going to sort of do with them and um, I think I'll, I'll hold praise on Mark Ogomars till the summer till the end of the summer because his job is to sort of um, allow of you know the developments and the Carsons to leave because they've got replacements ready made replacements within the squad but he, his job is to prevent an exodus and to sort of keep uh, most of this team together so they can, uh, you know, bring in some new parts and sort of have a, have another go at, at uh, Europe and the Eredivisie. And uh, Peter Borges uh, sort of, um, you know, 
been courageous enough to clear out some of the players that were so important to Frank De Boer's system the season before was and to move, you know, Sinkraven and and Lassen into different positions and to give Onana and um and Doberg uh, you know, regular game time and they played most of the season has been so important and, and um has and Ajax at the end of the season they they you know lost the title on the final day again um but there's a much different feeling on the club because of the way the season's panned out the way the season been handled so i think the main thing is just to keep players like sanchez ziek uh um tete redevant dober at least for another season because uh and and add on to that especially in the summer and add you know good players and not make missteps in the transfer window as they have in recent years during the under overmars's auspices so um i don't i don't think this is a fashion of the pan and i think everyone's going to see more high class very talented players prodigious players coming through the tokens in the coming years i totally agree with Jack and James i think this is just this right like I think it actually gets better from here because I actually think some players coming through that are stronger than the ones that are actually in the first team now. I think if you took out Basha Shona, you put in Van der Beek, you take out David Class and next season you put in Nuri who's exceptional for his age and his technique is potentially world class. You know, this team can only get better. Still young, more they play under boss next season, you know, they're also gonna get stronger, like Delict's gonna get older and more wise, Cliver on the left. If he comes in for Eunice or a regular next season, he's only going to get better and better. And God forbid that Casper Dober leaves. There's players in the academy coming through. You know, Kai Sirhus, he's now a striker that scores 25 goals for the Ajax Academy. He's coming through Raydan, an under 17 striker that was um, went to Manchester United recently. We've got so many talents coming through right now that there's no way this can be a fraction of the plan. And I think the way Peter Boss has got his side organised, and the way the clubs just run at the moment, it's just only bright, I think, for this club. Yeah, some very good points, and I can only echo those sentiments because they have so many talents. Dolberg up front, I'm sure he will stay. Um, and you've got De Jong and Van der Beek coming in midfield, and whenever they do come off the bench for an injury or whatever, they, they've performed very, very well, excellently, and more than adept for the area of a Z level. Uh, but for the Champions League, can they keep these kind of players? Um, if they say they say they do win the Europa League, or would it change if they didn't and they didn't qualify for the Champions League um, group stage and they were going to the qualifiers instead? Would it change the futures of players such as Hakim Ziyech or such as Casper Dolberg, ETC, Davinson Sanchez as well? Would that change their futures? Uh, so Hakim Ziyech and Doberg are sort of been the ones to come out and say, you know, Ziyech said, I really hope this team can stay together uh, for at least a year. And um, Doberg, he didn't really commit to Ajax, but he said he's, he wouldn't be ready to go to one of the Manchester clubs and he would prefer to stay at Ajax. So um, the players um, um, want to stay, but um, I think... With sort of, uh, you know, seeing, I don't think they would base their futures on one game 
and I think uh, sort of if if Ajax can keep some of these players till you know we're talking about end of August uh, Champions League qualifiers. If they don't, um, if they don't, uh, if if they don't have to sell during the summer and they don't win the Europa League and they manage to get to the the playoff stage, I think if if they do, if they manage to keep the players to the end of the summer, I think they will have them for at least another season. Uh, you worry about some someone like um, someone like Davidson Sanchez who already had a lot of interest in him and has. Won so many. This this is going to be his second continental title in a year if Ajax wins. So I think you worry about sort of him and clubs coming in for him. But you, um, with the likes of Doberg, you you hope that clubs are sort of looking at the same situations that you know Memphis Depay and Vincent Janssen were, and uh, and um, and being able to give sort of a player more time. And especially Vincent Janssen because it's sort of a similar situation because it's also been Doberg's first year. He's had good spells and he's had bad spells. And he needs to really sort of, um, you know, clean up some facets of his game. And if he stays at Ajax, and he's willing to stay at Ajax to do that, and if, if he does, I think he's a, he's a better player for it in a year. So you hope the clubs see that and because... Uh, don't book so many season, but I think I don't think uh, not qu- not qualifying for the Champions League, but still getting to the Europa League. I don't think it would have a massive effect on Ajax. But if you're talking about sort of uh, you know class and development, they of course would like to. They're 24, 25. They would like to move to the higher level and they've been around the Ajax team. First team set up for a while, so and they have the, every right to go and challenge themselves at a higher level. One, it's better for everybody if they do that. But I think some of the younger players, they'll sort of be looking around and things like that. And Hakim Ziyech is a very interesting one because you know he he had two great seasons at FC Twente, and no club looked to sign him, and Ajax only signed him on the final. On the on a deadline day, so I think it will, it will be interesting to see if clubs then come in for him and which particular clubs come, come in for him, because um, he's proved that he can do it at a higher level. But clubs were very wary about him last summer, and it it, it depends. And it's really interesting to see if they will be interested in him this summer, given what he's done at Ajax in the past season. I think both. Um Hakim Ziyech and uh, Kasper Dolberg in particular are both fully committed to Ajax. You have to remember, as Jaka just said, uh, Ziyech signed on the last day of the transfer window last summer. Also, when he signed, he was um, he was extremely happy to sign for Ajax. He was completely, uh, during his unveiling, reiterating the fact that I want to play for this club. I'm delighted to play for this club. I want to show my worth. And I don't necessarily think he's going to give that up after one season. I think he's going to be. Um, I think he's going to be motivated to continue. I think he is aware of what happened before with uh, clubs showing an interest, like Sampdoria, when he was at uh, FC Twente and things not coming to fruition. So uh, I, I think I can definitely see him staying with Ajax. The same goes for Casper Dolberg. With um, it wasn't so long ago that he played for Silkeborg in Denmark. 
and uh, he's made so much progression so uh, so quickly that um, I even think that if Dolberg is to leave that um, it will be stipulated in his contract by Ajax that he's allowed to return on loan by that new club but that we'll, ju we'll just have to wait and see what will happen. Um, in the case of uh, Joel Feltman he's been touted for many years as someone who could make the step but um, you see what's happened to Mitchell Dykes who went on loan to Norwich this season who was also very promising um, when he was at Villem Tray and brought back deliberately to Ajax and found himself on loan at Norwich. So um, I think in the case of um, Joel Feltman, he's going to have to be very choosy about where he goes and, 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 and be aware of the reasons why you might go some, somewhere and what exactly you, uh, he wants to achieve. I can only The only player I can see possibly leaving this summer would be Davidson Sanchez because if you're linked with Barcelona and really, really big clubs then these rumours don't appear for, for no apparent reason. So uh, I think um, I think he'll also have a very good, uh, strong part to play in the Europa League final. But my opinion would be he may well very be the only one uh, to very very well may uh, very well leave this summer. I think player development. I can't really understand the Premier League fascination around him. He's a good player, but such as Dykes. A good player for Ajax's level, but doesn't have that extra level of quality, um, such as Sanchez, and rightfully so, being with Barcelona, to really push on and be a, a very good Premier League player. Um, Dykes is in the Championship, and that's because his physical capabilities suit that league. He's a good player within the league, but I don't think he has the potential to play for a, you know, you know what I mean, like a very top-tier European club. Um, and that's the case with the other players, and they have to look wisely at the, the teams that want them and will they suit the style of player that they have and are they a good enough player to get into the starting 11s? I think, um, sorry, I was going to say, I think it all just, it just depends on what clubs come in and what kind of money gets offered. I think the way that the Ajax side have played in Europe will have a lot of big teams going, wow, you know, like, who are these players? Let's have a look at them, let's look at them more. And I think that the players that will go will be the ones like class and he'll leave. Um, Amin Yunus, he's been linked to a return to Germany, I think. He's done well, like Leipzig, want him. This depends on who, who wants these players. I think Ziyech, if Ajax got offered enough money, or to 20 plus millions, um, and as a club in the Champions League, of a regular big club, I think Ziyech would be tempted. Um, even though it's just a year out. So it just depends on, on who comes in and what type of money is getting offered. Because all these players are on big contracts. As well, the only interesting thing that I think is um, Kenny Tete. I think he's one that is annoyed by the lack of first team football he's getting. Um, he's a good player, and for any club that picks him up this summer, if he does decide to leave, it's getting an absolute bargain because I think he could be potentially one of the best right backs in uh, in Europe. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, Tete, he's one of the reasons I'm not too hasty and sort of. Uh, applauding uh, Mark Overmars because the reason that he's got one foot out the door is because of Mark Overmars' pride and his unwillingness to get into a room with Mino Raiola, who's, who he's had problems in the past with, especially when Daniel Malin moved to uh, um, Arsenal and um, Ricardo Kishner was leaving and Raiola caused quite a stir. And um, I think... 
if he has, he, he, Overmars has left himself in a position where he's got two right backs running out of contract and two very two very good right backs running out of contract, two very young right backs running out of contract. Tetas done this whole did this whole spread in Volpo International a few months ago, saying that he wanted to stay, he wanted to get into a room with Overmars and you know be able to sign a new deal because he feels he, he would like to further his development. But then Overmars comes out a few weeks later and says on Fox Sports that he's probably going to go, and I think that's what sort of holds Overmars back as a technical director, and that's why this season, this summer is so interesting to see how we can handle. So recruiting for players that do leave and how we can handle keeping most of the squad together. And um, I think uh, if you're talking about someone like players like Tete and Rodrigo leaving, they're leaving way too early. And, um, you know, you see under a wrong coach that doesn't have the time to redevelop them. And they'll be in trouble because they'll, start, they'll be stuck on the bench and they'll lose key um, years of their development, and I think it's it's more beneficial to, for Ajax to keep them, especially if Davison Sanchez and and uh, your development do leave. And um, in regards to sort of uh, um, you know sort of uh, sort of uh, overmars, it's gonna be a very interesting summer to see how you sort of which players if. You know, if he manages to keep a lot of the squad together, to, which players he does bring in to sort of take them to that next level, or take them to someone that's going to take them to, you know, Champions League level. I think that a lot of the players might be tempted to stay purely because of the team spirit. And you can see that with every win they're getting in Europe, that the team just seems to be getting closer and tighter knit. And they really enjoy each other's company, which is great to see. Um, an example of that is Andre Nana who's signed a new contract very recently, saying that he's very happy at Ajax and wants to stay and continue what he's doing because he, you know, he puts to bed all these rumours. And Barcelona have had him in the past, what say they wouldn't want him back, and rumours just that. And he's put an end to all of that and said, I want to stay at Ajax. Um, but the, obviously not all the players will want to stay because they're exceptional talents. And a question from the final third on Twitter asks, of his team, which player has the best chance of going to the very top? I would say um, Hakim Ziyech, personally. I think if you saw in the um, in the semi-final against Lyon, especially in the first leg, how much space he managed to create with his movement. Every ball he plays is with forward intent, looking to to bring the team forward on the pitch. I think um, I think he's um, he's had a very very good first season and. Um, I think if he stays and manages to progress even more, and as we mentioned earlier, when uh, clubs didn't want to um, didn't want to take a chance on him when he was at FC Twente, uh, I think he'll be aware of that, and uh, I think he'll choose his uh, his career path very carefully. But I think he has a definite chance to go uh, to go all the way to the top in terms of playing for a, a very very good La Liga side or Premier League side or maybe even Serie A. Uh, to go back on your point. Uh, Michael about uh, Premier League fascination. I would uh, agree, not just about Premier League uh, fascination as regards to players, but also the British press. I mean, I tweeted earlier on this afternoon about the Sunday supplement who was they were speaking about the Europa League final, and they couldn't even 
bring simple facts about Ajax. It was simply just uh, with the um, impression of, oh, Man United just have to turn up to win. And Mourinho is a genius for letting the, pre- for letting the Premier League uh, form slide. Um, I also found that quite strange from a, a reputable um, programme on a, on, a uh, on a big channel that professional writers can't bring facts about a club, which is maybe isn't very well known, but it's, it's still a massive, massive club. And then I think um, I think it's quite strange at times, but uh, yeah, CH would be uh, would be my choice to go all the way to the top. Uh, I would say uh, uh, David Santos. Uh, he's sort of perfect for this sort of at- the perfect defender for sort of any sort of attacking style of football. He was uh, one Carlos Osorio. Um, moved him from defensive midfielder to centre back when he was with the Colombia under 20, and they really um, made the most of sort of making a sort of ball playing, high pressing centre back who can also recover well. And um, also the also the fact that when uh, Atletico Nacional won the Copa Libertadores, he had the most uh, interception, and he by the time he was 19 or 20, he, he had been out of the first team picture before that, and in just about two years, he managed to win three or four titles, and he's on his way to a second title, and he's only 20. So I think he, he's got a big future ahead of him, especially with the clubs that are looking at him. I think anyone, any manager that sort of favours a high-pressing um high movement uh, sort of um and really want a proactive defender will we'll be looking at him and i think he's sort of the best defender i have had since jan vertonghen and um in his first season he's done so much and he's risen so quickly and that, that we don't even balk at the fact that that barcelona may be interested in, in him because he's played that well and you can count all the bad games he's had on, on one hand. And um, I think he's sort of a uh, defender that most clubs that want, who want to play a proactive style football should be looking at. And I, I think with all the, the skills that he's already have, the way Boz has developed his game in a year, I think big clubs will soon be looking at him. And I don't doubt that he has the time to make something of himself in a, in a bigger league. I totally agree with both the choice so far. I think Ziyech and Sanchez are, are heading to the top. I don't see Dober going anywhere except the top as well. I mean, a young striker, he's got exceptional talent, um, his finishing ability. You can only get better learning from somebody like Dennis Bergkamp every day. His touch, his dribbling, everything he's got is, is high quality. And I think if he leaves Ajax, he isn't going anywhere except for a top club and a top league. Um, whether he maintains it there, that's up to him when he gets to that club and how they how they treat him there. But I think it's hard to pick one of these acts where he's just got to go to the top because I think a lot of them have the ability to reach it. And um, looking at Delict as well, you know Justin Clyros, Young, but he's got so much talent. You know Nuri, Dion, Van de Beek, all these players are getting watched by Barcelona as the Manchester Knights in the Ajax academy. And I think a lot of them. When they leave Ajax, they will be going to top clubs, and it's what they do at those top clubs when they leave Ajax that really determine their future afterwards. 
I've always been a fan of Ziyech, but in my opinion, age is against him. Any player can progress, but at the age of 24, I feel like he's near, near his peak, but still a very good player. Um, one of my favourites in the Eredivisie, actually. Um, my pick would be um, Andre Nana because even at 21, fantastic goalkeeper already, and goalkeepers will get better, you know, until they're, they're 30, and if not better, even more afterwards. Um, so I think he'll mature quite nicely, actually, and if he can hold a place in Ajax's first team down for four or five years, you know, he could become one of the, the best European goalkeepers out there. Um, what are your predictions for the game then, guys? Uh, I predict Ajax with a 2-1 win. Uh, maybe because maybe a little bit of naivety, but I really believe that Ajax have everything it takes to win um, this game. They have everything it takes to pin Manchester United back. And if Manchester United fall into... So they'll go to defensive shape where they have six players in the back, uh, six players in the in the back line, and you know relinquish that uh, midfield uh, um, superiority to to Ajax. I think Ajax have what it takes to really work to break them down. And um, Dobrik has finished the season on some form, so I I think that he given the chance he could. He could score the night. I, I think I, uh, Manchester United not having Ibrahimovic is a big loss. How Ajax sort of contain Pogba will also be an interesting facet. And um, as, and just um, Ajax being able to, you know, even create chances against some of the the staunches of of defenses up there as they've done in the Europa League and. Um, you can't sort of, uh, you know, coaches have sort of failed to predict how, you know, Amin Nunes is such a good dribbler and how he can get into the box. And Ajax can do, uh, Ajax can attack in, in sort of every sort of way. They can attack through set pieces, they can counter attack really quickly, and they can build up really well if, if they're sitting in front of a sort of tight defense. So I have all the um, I have all I have all the faith in them, and to be fair, they've actually they've actually got um, quite a storage defense. You know, they 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 didn't concede more than two goals from the Rostov game to the game against Schalke. So um, that shows sort of a, a, um, a resilience about them that has helped them through. Um, Schalke away and um, and um, and and Lyon away, and I think sort of just having that uh, uh, having that ability as a close knit team, while you know both managers on the first season, but I feel I accept the greater strides as a team and as a squad, and you know Manchester United are still lacking in some facets, and they're missing big players, they're missing really really big players, and. That's why um, I think the pendulum swings to Ajax's side. My prediction is that the match will go to extra time and that Ajax will win 3-2. I think Manchester United will uh, underestimate this Ajax team. Um, I think it will be a real uh, 
end to end game. I think it'll be full of excitement from beginning to uh, from beginning to end. And I, I just have a feeling that the game will not be settled in ninety minutes. And um, that's why my prediction is that uh, Ajax will win in extra time. And I say three uh, two to Ajax. Thank you. Um... I said our honour, hope that Ajax get right in Manchester United's faces from the start. Um, I can see if they do that, they can get an early goal um, on the Celtic side, but I can see it being tight in the second half if Ajax start trying to sit back and defend the lead. Um, I'm going to predict a 2-1 as well to Ajax. I think they'll just see out in the end. I think this Ajax side is something special and it's getting, you know, rightly, the press it deserves around Europe, but I still think that People overestimate this man outside. They've struggled in the early rounds. I think that they'll get caught out by the Ajax side. I think their hunger to win will be more than Manchester United. And I think they'll just see it out. I think it will be quite an even game. Uh, unlike what the British press think it will be like. And I think Ajax will be on the front foot for a long time. And get a goal or two. Um, but it could be up to United to try and get back into the game at some point. And... Um, I feel that in the end, the pressure might tell, and I just have a feeling that it'll go into penalties. But I, and then I can't call who would win penalties. But if it does, and no matter what the result, I think it's been a fantastic season for Ajax, especially in Europa League. Um, but my worry would be again the defence, and I know you say check about how they've not conceded that many goals, but um, I believe that if you take away the yeah, if, if if you add up the goals they conceded in the Europa League this season, just the Europa League, it's 17, and United it's been 8. So that's more than double than United conceded. And United um, haven't scored a considerable amount of goals less, and I believe it's roughly the same figure. I, I haven't counted that. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like defending might might be slightly an issue for Ajax, and if they're put under a bit of pressure, they will crumble, similar as they did to Schalke and Lyon. Should we switch topics then? Shall we talk about the national team squad um, for Dutch, the Netherlands? And there were a couple of surprises in the squad, um, including Koningham goalkeeper Sergio Pats. Um, what do you guys think was like the most striking thing about the announcement? I think Delict uh, getting caught up again. We need to. Um, he's only seventeen, and although he sort of reacted to his first call up well. And how that ended, um, um, he's he's he still could give more to you know youth teams. And if the national team really wanted to promote him, they should have moved him to under twenty ones or under twenties. But um, uh, I think that 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 was the biggest shock and uh, the biggest disappointment from for people. And I hope that he doesn't. Uh, Make it into the make it past the provisional squad for his own development because it's too much too soon for him. I think yeah. it's um, uh, Sergio Pat is uh, raises his eyebrows, but he has a, a quite half decent reputation, especially in terms of saving penalties. It's uh, one of the reputations he's got over here that. Um, Mostly when he had to face a penalty in league uh, in league games, nine times out of ten he'll save it. Um, I think uh, I think with um, selecting five players uh, from the Europa League finest in Ajax uh, shows uh, shows um, how far um, out of class he's willing to uh, cast a net in terms of players that are performing well in European level. Uh, I'm personally pleased for Martin Delon. 
and also uh, David Prepper, because I, I believe it with those two in particular, there is more to come in future. And um, it'll be interesting to see. I hope uh, I hope Promes um, plays a part as well, because he'll be uh, full of confidence uh, in, um, since becoming champion with Spartak Moscow. So I, I think all in all, it's it's. Uh, it's quite a decent squad that Advocat has picked, but um, he's going to have to chip away at a few things and, uh, and mould a few things and then look ahead to uh, to important qualifiers against Luxembourg <coughs> and France in August. So um, I think it's um, I think the squad in general which has been picked is, is, is one that's it's quite good. It's just, uh, it's just simply a case of uh, putting the right players in the right place and, and moulding a team spirit. Um. I totally agree with Shaka about Delict. Uh, I hope he doesn't make the full squad because that might impact him not playing the under-19 European Championships later this summer. So um, I hope he drops out and then they save him for that. Just let him go on a break and they can come back to under-19 later on. Um, I think the most exciting call-up is uh, Nathan Ake. I think in recent weeks there's been rumours that Ivory Coast are trying to poach him from Netherlands. I think... Um, it's crucial that after we let Ziyech go, um, there's a couple of players that Netherlands could call up that seem to have decided on Morocco as well. Um, Yasin Hayoub is one. Um, he said yesterday, he said basically the call up never came, so with my heart, I'm going to go to Morocco. Um, Mamoun uh, Mahi, the winger from Ground Against Another One, has decided Morocco, and uh, Sofian Hammerbrat, the Utrecht midfielder as well, he's born in Holland, but um, represents Morocco, so I think it's tying these talents down to everyone. So I think Nathan Aki is one that they can't afford to lose, and even if it's just a 10-minute cameo against Luxembourg um, near the end, I think it's very important to tie his feature down, because he's a, a really talented player. Um, it's nice to see Dao Janmat back as well, um, Okadia getting another chance, and I think um, Halifax actually picked a, a pretty strong professional squad then. Agreed. I think the most important thing for the squad is that Ake's in there and he can finally get tied down to the Netherlands and get him on for appearance just to give another option in the centre-back role because when, in my opinion, De Vlaai and Hutz aren't there, Ake will be a very good replacement. Um, it's good to see that De Jong's not there because he didn't deserve a call-up and instead that Jürgen Lacardi has been selected in his, in his place. So now the option's there for Lacardi to make an impact in the striker's role or in the left-winger role. Um, and him and Yamei Lenz could actually be quite a good combination. The most important thing this team needs is it needs cohesiveness and it needs um, a plan. It needs structure. It needs players to play in the right positions. It needs, much like the World Cup in 2014, it needed, it had a team where they all work together very well in their roles and they do not want a team of individuals. Should we head on to our last topic today and talk about the Eredivisie playoffs then? Um, there's been some in the Europa League playoffs and there's been some in the relegation playoffs and we're into the last round, I believe, going into the weekend. No, no in the middle of the week, I think midweek. Do you know, James? Yeah. Yes, the, um, the first leg is played on Thursday, this coming Thursday, the 25th. And the following leg is uh, this time next week, next Sunday. Uh, the... Um, the second legs were played today where Hellman Sports uh, drew with Roda and uh, Roda made their way to the final. They will meet MV Maastricht, 
who beat Cambo in Leobardum, which was quite impressive. And that will actually be in a Limburgse derby between the two. And the winner over two legs will go to the Eredivisie. Um, NSA Nijmegen had a um, quite a good um, uh, position winning the um, first leg against Emmen 3-1. They won again today to um, book their place in the final where they're going to play uh, Nakpleda. Who, uh, who won at home to Volendam. So the playoff final uh, fixtures are um, Aroda against MVV Maastricht and NSA Nijmegen against NAC Breda. I think one very interesting point about both games, the second leg of both games are in case of Maastricht in Maastricht and the case of NAC Breda in Breda. And I think in both those cases, it's going to be decisive and my early prediction is that uh, we will see uh, Maastricht and Nakbreda um, in the Eredivisie next year. It will be particularly good for Maastricht because they haven't been at the top level for 17 years so it will be nice to have them back again and I stated when the, when the fixtures were first initially released with previous rounds that uh, would uh, would get quite far with their Belgian manager Stein Freven. And um, I think I think that um, both Roda and NSA, I think they're both going to fall at the last hurdle. But I think in the case of MFA Maastricht, it will be most welcome, you know, to, to get back to the highest level for the first time in 17 years to have a uh, to have a, their stadium is only 10,000, which they managed to fill on quite uh, regular quite on regular occasions. I just think it will be good for the league to have a, a different name. Uh, especially after such a, a long, long time away, and um, be, be the final legs uh, to take place uh, for the finals uh, this coming Thursday and Sunday will be interesting. And uh, only when the final whistle goes on both matches uh, will we know who who will be playing Eredivisie uh, football along with Faith uh, Enlo next season. If you want a comparison, I guess um, with with the Bundesliga, Rodia say are almost like the Hamburg of Eredivisie uh, because. They, they they tend to end up in the playoffs, but will stay up somehow. And I think James, that point you're making about how the home leg is in the lower league side's um, stadium, it, it, it helps them. And Roda have that advantage of playing the home leg second um, a few times now. For example, in 2013, they 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 stayed up when they beat Sparta. If I remember correctly, um, Fladeros got the goal, and it was at home and. You know, that, that crowd really lifted them for it. And I always think it's a bit of an unfair advantage. If you're in the playoffs, um, coming from the LWZ point of view, you deserve to have the top of three passports to stay in the league um, and give the lower league teams a chance. I think as well, you could also, you could also argue that they could also restructure the league a little bit where the bottom three teams would go... Uh, would go down automatically, like they have in Spain, for example, and in France and in England. But I think because the um, uh, the promotion and relegation playoffs have been around for such a long time and it, it produces excitement, uh, I can't see them changing that. But um, there's always a few um, there's always a few surprises going into the uh, playoff final round, and this year that's MFA Maastricht, and um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what will happen. Yeah, I think in terms of uh, the other playoffs for the Europa League spot, um, I'm quite glad that you know, the two best teams have come out on top. Um, you know, here and Veen have struggled since the turn of the year and they've been awful recently and 
um, you know, they get easily beaten. And Gron again as well, they got easily beaten by AZ. And uh, I think the final versus AZ and Utrecht is going to be an interesting one. Um, I think both teams have big summers ahead. I think both teams will go restructuring next and so I think a lot of players are going to leave Utrecht and uh, some players might leave AZ as well. Um, it's interesting to see what squads get into your next season. I really want to see Eric Ten Hag um, in Europa League with Utrecht. Um, but AZ really impressed me over their two legs against Groningen and then, uh, their 18-year-old winger, Calvin Stengs, um, made a big impression. Um, two games he's got, two goals, and uh, he's definitely one to look out for in the future. Yeah, uh, Utrecht might be impressive. Uh, they've already lost uh, Sebastian on there for that season. Uh, they've sold uh, Boymans and um, Rubio Rubin in the last two years, so they will need to go in, out into the market and find another striker. It'll be interesting to see who they sort of bring in to replace Haller. And um, I think uh, Ayub has had a good season. I'd like him to stay for another season. And um, there's a lot of the lot of teams high up in the Eredivisie uh, interested in Amrabat, but what um, Ten Hag has done is sort of, uh, you know, put together a good team. And last year they fell at the final hurdle against Heracles. You know, two teams that are very desperate to get into the Europa League will play each other in the final. And I think, um, um, I think either of them getting into the Europa League could be. Uh, a very strong proposition for the Dutch team. Uh, um, you would sort of, you sort of hope that they are able to sort of uh, deal with, you know, starting the season very early and manage to get through, getting through the qualifier phase. Uh, as they have more experience with that, and um, they sort of, where they struggle, so sort of after the qualifier phase, the group stage and. But, uh, you know, they've got a squad with a lot of experience and you just hope, you know, this, that battery that they, they had against uh, Leon Louis wakes them up. But um, it will be a very interesting final with a lot of the players. And, you know, Herenveen also played a 16-year-old named Kit Perry, who is eligible to play for Netherlands and the United States. And he, he was very impressive. He, very impressive at the with the board to be very confident and just another centre back that Henry are, are are producing off the production line after Kawelu said used uh, used for and, and players like that. So very very um it's a very interesting Europa League playoff. Yeah the point about Ericsson Hawk is a good one. Um I want to see him do well in Europe. Uh, and, and lead a team to do well there as well. I think he, he's very good at, I say it in the past, he's very good at easing out, uh, squeezing out all the all the best quality from his players, um, especially the back four. Um, they're not made of quality players, but he just gets the best out of them. And I think he can do that again in Europe and take the team up another level uh, and replace players like Ella, who are going to have good futures. I think with the second leg being in Utrecht, I think that will also be decisive. I think Utrecht are definitely favourites. And I think whoever does go through to the um, qualifying round of the Europa League will put in a good uh, performance and uh, hopefully we'll see a, uh, 
and have a chat, chat along with uh, PSV uh, in, in the group stages.